This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play via the iHeartRadio app. Keep playing the right way. Keep playing simple hockey. Take strides in the D zone. I think we're doing a really good job of that of late, and we're being more responsible. I think we'll also be more responsible for puck play. Uh, so that's a huge thing, too, and I think that just limits, you know, their odd man rushes and uh, limits, you know, you know, scoring chances and limits, you know, instead of three goals, we get two and one, you know what I mean? So Buffalo, we score, what, five, and then tonight we don't score any, you know, guys that haven't scored in a while scored, you know, when they did the last game. So just, you know, we just got to find a way to keep moving in the right direction here, work on execution and just keeping it simple and we'll get, we'll get ourselves out of this. Keep it simple. That's right, Pat Maroon. Keep it simple. I was waiting for him, Dave Michigan. I was hoping he'd say predictable hockey, <laughs> which is something that uh, the team sometimes says. I know Pat Maroon says often. Yes. And I think it means something different to the players and the coaches than it does to Phil, specifically Phil, because he does not like that expression. He doesn't. I feel like it was only used this year. Have you heard predictable hockey? I heard a before? little bit. Yeah. Last year. Heard right. it a little bit last year. All right. I don't think I heard it two years ago. No, for sure. So you want to be predictable within your your group so everyone is in sync, but you don't want to show your hand to the other team, right? Yeah. That's the part that, that Phil has a problem with when he says, why are you being predictable? The other team's going to know exactly what you're doing, and I don't think that's exactly what the Lightning players mean when they say be predictable. I saw a lot of people on Twitter yesterday latch on Eric Erlinson. I want to give him full credit, whether you agree with his analysis or not, from lightninginsider.com. He also hosts the pregame skate show. He And I don't know what period it was. I'd have to go back and check his timeline. But he was making the reference, and he was signaling out a, a particular play where Kucherov was coming down the ice, and he pulled up. And he might have turned the puck over. I'm not sure exactly what happened. But he was basically saying, this is, if you don't think the Lightning have become a little bit predictable in what they do offensively, this is a pretty good illustration. And mm -hmm. basically what he was saying is the, the Stars defender, it felt like, was already where uh, he needed to be, anticipating what Kucherov was going to do. And I saw a number of people kind of, again, take it for what it's worth, Twitter, but some people felt like in that instance the Lightning had become predictable offensively. And, you know, we probably can talk about that a little bit on the show today. I mean, the reality is you're not going to win any games if you don't score. And the Lightning were shut out last night, won nothing, and there are probably a couple of big reasons for that. Um, you know, Scott Wedgwood, this guy was in the Lightning organization a couple years ago. You know, it's funny, Dave. I remember talking to Scott Wedgwood on one of the shows before you and I started to do a show. It was during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And we started to talk to some guys from Syracuse because we were still doing shows at the time. And Wedgwood was somebody that we got who came on. And mm -hmm. he was, you know, very personable. I mean, I, you always looked at him probably at that point in his career as kind of like a, a 4A type of player. You know, if you made that a comparison to baseball that, you know, probably your third goaltender in the system, somebody who you could call up, but, you know, probably wasn't consistent enough to be taking up a spot 
on an NHL roster, but the Stars traded for him because they needed to, and I think yeah. they probably felt like he was playing pretty well. And last night, that might be arguably, I haven't looked at his record if he has any playoff experience in the NHL, you could almost make the argument for him that was one of, if not the most impressive win of his career. one nothing shutout against the defending Stanley Cup champs. Yeah, he started his time with the Stars beating Carolina in Carolina. He gave up three goals in that game, but had, I believe, 44 saves, and the Stars won in a shootout. I frankly was a little surprised to see that Wedgwood has played now 73 games at the NHL level because he had never before faced the Lightning. But, you know, the guy's almost 30. He's turning 30 this summer. He's been around for a while. New Jersey system, and then he went from Buffalo's organization to the Lightning's organization, back to New Jersey. He was claimed on waivers by Arizona from New Jersey earlier this year, and then that trade that you just referenced where the Stars needed a goalie because at that point Bishop had retired and they had injuries to Hudobin and Holpe, so they needed a guy. So they got Wedgwood in a trade for, I'm seeing it's a conditional fourth-round pick. I'm not sure what the conditions are, but they had to give up a draft pick for him, and it wasn't like future considerations. Like They actually had to give up an asset to get him, but he is more than made up for that fourth-round pick at this point, 3-0-1 as the Stars are making a push for the playoffs. You know, we talk so much about guys like Matthew Joseph going whatever it was, 60-some-odd days in the bubble and not getting into a game and never really letting it affect his his attitude or how positive he was and how much, you know, the time that was spent practicing in the bubble, not getting into a game, was important because it helped push the guys who were getting into a game. Wedgwood's the same way. I mean, Wedgwood was the third goalie, and if guys needed extra work, he was the guy, presumably out on the ice. We weren't there, so I don't know for certain, but he was the he was the one out on the ice giving the players the extra work and stopping pucks, and I think it takes something to, to go through two months in a bubble not getting into game action and keeping your head on straight. I think that says a lot about sure. him, and... You know, that's his fifth career shutout in the NHL. So it's not like, you know, he just arrived, right, and 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 burst upon the scene. This is a guy who's been around. He's played a lot of games at the pro level and not an insignificant number of games at the NHL level. And I know that it's probably not the main takeaway from last night. There are other things that are probably higher on the priority list to talk about, particularly on the Lightning side of things. But I thought a kind of an understated storyline last night was how good Wedgwood looked. He didn't face a ton of scoring chances, but he was so solid in stopping the chances the Lightning had. And I mentioned this on the air. He wasn't giving up rebounds. He was eating up pucks and making the first save and, and swallowing them up. And I thought he made several really good plays around the net with his stick that were not shots, but he was very alert to kind of disrupt plays so they didn't materialize for the Lightning. He played his position really well last night. He did. And, you know, I thought he saved his best for the third period. As you said, I think it's pretty accurate to say, I don't know if the Lightning had a ton of glorious scoring chances in that game. They had a few 
I thought Dallas did a good job of getting in the lanes and blocking yeah. some shots. I think that frustrates shots Tampa they Bay. Blocked. Yeah, I think that frustrates any team, let alone a, a team like the Lightning. They were overthrown on the power play. I thought Dallas had some moments shorthanded that was not ideal for Tampa Bay, but I thought in the third period specifically, I jotted them down. Kucherov had a shot in the slot. Uh, it was like four minutes in. And then maybe his biggest one, I don't know if you agree or disagree, it was like midway through the third period, Palat was robbed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And that might have been his best save of the day because when you think about it, it's still a 0-0 game at that point. And Bassey was playing really well. And then you saw that first line for Dallas, and we talked about them. It wasn't like we didn't know they weren't going to be dangerous, but we had talked about, you know, top to bottom, this basically was a one-line team. And look, if that's how Dallas is going to get into the playoffs predominantly is by leaning on that first line, then then so be it. Now, it's probably a dangerous way to, to go about competing in the playoffs, but at least last night they were able to get that one Mm-hmm. And uh, Wedgwood was able to to hold it up, and and they were able to escape two points. And the Lightning live to fight another day when it comes to clinching a playoff spot. Yeah, they're going to clinch a playoff spot. I mean, if anyone was worried that the Islanders are going to win out and the Lightning are going to lose out, I mean, I guess it could happen. Barry Trotz, don't hang up on us. Don't hang up that. on us, Barry. <laughs> yeah, I would say it's less than like one tenth of a percent that 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 would happen. But if we look at yesterday's game. So from the Lightning's perspective, is it good that they held the, the Stars to one goal? Yes. I mean, and now we're seeing games strung together where the Lightning are keeping that goals against down. And if you include, and I'm including these two periods, because I liked how the Lightning defended in the second and third in the game in Washington. You have those two periods. You have the three periods against the Bruins. You have the three periods against the Sabres. And now you have three more periods against Dallas. While I'm not as crazy about how they defended yesterday at the end of the day they held them to one goal the Caps got one goal in the second and third last Wednesday the Bruins scored one goal in regulation in three periods so that's two goals in five periods Sabres didn't get any so two goals in eight periods and then one more last night so that's three goals in 11 periods of hockey that's really impressive and that's what you want to see heading into the playoffs. So I'm not going to discount that. That was a really positive trend line that we're seeing continue here for Tampa Bay. Having said that, I thought once the first period ended, the Stars dictated play more than the Lightning. So while the Lightning were able to get through basically, what, 55 minutes without being scored on, there were some, like, Danger Will Robinson moments, particularly in the second period, where the Stars were pressing, dictating play, getting looks. Maybe those looks didn't always go on net, but some of them did. Vasilevsky, as you mentioned, was really sharp. Heskinen hit the crossbar in the second period as well. And I don't think that that was to the same standard defensively that we had seen from the Lightning in some of these previous games. You know, it was like it was kind of like the second period of the Lightning's game against Boston, which we broke down extensively yesterday when I was talking about like your puck management isn't great, so the other team has a lot of possession. Last night's second period was a little bit different. The Lightning, 
Lightning had trouble navigating through the neutral zone, but it's not like they were having like these egregious turnovers. It's just that the Stars were attacking them with pace and moving through the neutral zone really well. So they were able to enter the Lightning zone with speed and spend a lot of time there. Helping Dallas in the second period were the special teams. I thought they got a lot of juice from a power play that they carried into the second. And then, while you're right, the Lightning had three power play chances. The two that they had in the second period were not good at all. They didn't generate much, and they gave up shorthanded opportunities. So the Stars got more momentum from that as well. The third period was better for the Lightning in terms of possession, but whereas in the first period they really limited chances for the Stars, they were not able to do that as much in the third. And you're right, like the Lightning had some chances in the third, but so did the Stars. Glenn Denning stole the puck at the Lightning blue line and walked in alone on Vasilevsky, who made the save. That was right before Palat's chance, so we had three in a row. We had the Glenn Denning chance. Then the puck came down the other end. Palat had his opportunity. And then moments later, Hintz had a shot off the rush from the right circle. Vasilevsky made the save. The puck hit McDonough's skate and almost went in the net. But it was a dangerous chance for Hintz. So, like, when you talk about the process, like, the, the result was the Lightning allowed one goal. Obviously, the result of the game was they lost. But the result was they allowed one goal. I'm not sure if they played that game again, the way it unfolded, the Stars would only get one goal. That's kind of where I'm going with that. So I think the Lightning could be sharper defensively, and because they didn't have the puck as much, it was hard for them to get into a rhythm offensively. That's something you mentioned post-game, and, and the struggles on the special teams affected that too. Did they get some isolated looks? They did, and I am giving credit to Wedgwood. I thought he was really sharp in net. But the Lightning weren't able to drive play as much as the Stars were. And I think that's one reason why they they came out of this game with a zero for goals four. And the last thing I'll say is like, well, what do we make of this? Why did this happen? How did this happen? I'm going to go back to something we've been drumming home. This game mattered so much more to the Stars than it did to the Lightning. And I know that Lightning fans have a hard time sometimes hearing that from us. Well, John Cooper, did you hear his comments yesterday? He basically said, well, it's a big game for us, too. Yeah, I know it's bigger I than one. That. I think that's coaches speak, obviously. But go right. Ahead. Like the Stars could miss the playoffs. Legitimately could miss the playoffs. They have 10 games left, now nine. They need points. They played like it. They played like a team that was in playoff mode. The Lightning played like a team that was getting ready for playoff mode. And I don't know if you saw Rick Bonus's quote afterward I mean he gave credit to both teams but he said this isn't a direct quote it's close the spirit of it is right what I'm going to say that was our best game of the year he loved the way his team played because they played a playoff type game high urgency battling for every puck blocking shots leaving it all out on the ice so when we say, like, well, why were the Stars able to dictate play more than the Lightning? It's not that the Lightning didn't have a reasonably good compete level. I just think the Stars were at a higher level. And why were they at a higher level? Because this game mattered more to the Stars based on their position in the standings. So the Lightning will regroup, 
begin a five-game homestand. And coming on the schedule, some teams here that are out of it. So it's going to be kind of like the Buffalo game again. And those are not always easy. The Lightning did well against Buffalo. Did you see the Buffalo score last night? Mm-hmm. In Toronto. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to pat myself on the back, Craig. Because no, <laughs> that's Go not ahead. my way. But I will say... Buffalo is giving some teams problems, and so when I said the Lightning had a good victory against Buffalo, like that's what I'm going off of. Toronto had been rolling. Buffalo hammered them. So sometimes these teams can can bite you, and the Lightning have to be ready for the likes of Anaheim, which is definitely out of the playoffs, Detroit, definitely out of the playoffs, and Winnipeg may still have – a small sliver of hope. <laughs> we'll see where, where things stand when, when Winnipeg comes in on Saturday. But this is going to be a different situation than what they saw against Dallas. Now, they will see it when they play Nashville at the end of the homestand. But I guess going back to kind of recap, to put a bow on this, it was a pretty good defensive performance by the Lightning, and the final result was one goal against, which is outstanding. But based on how the game unfolded, the fact that they weren't able to to kind of impose their will on the Stars as much as they had in some of the recent games on the opposition, I think fed into their quiet night offensively. I would agree. So you pack up and you get ready for the next game and, and try and clinch a playoff spot with a win over the Ducks tomorrow night. You know, it's funny. Outside of the first line for the Stars and Glendening, I thought, or, or I'm sorry, um, Wedgwood, I thought Glendening was their most dangerous forward, and that happened yeah. mostly on the shot. I, liked, I didn't notice Sagan. I liked I Roffle, too. Roffle was right. noticeable Roffle was on penalty kill along with Glendening. He was. He was. Yeah, but I sorry, didn't, go you ahead. Know, that, no, the Sagan and the Ben line, you know, I, Radulov, you just, I mean, I didn't play, but I mean, you can see these guys that, we thought coming in before talking to everybody that, you know, they were going to be dangerous and had some decent looks. You just really didn't notice them, mm-hmm. which, you know, maybe makes their win a little bit more impressive against Tampa Bay. But um, I'm not – I don't think you are either. I'm not going to lose sleep over this. I think John Cooper liked a lot of things they did defensively. And I think if you had your druthers, you'd rather be trending in the right direction defensively because I think we assume that scoring is going to be – harder to come by a bit once the playoffs begin and you got to really you have to bear down and you have to defend and you, you got to figure the scoring is gonna gonna come for Tampa Bay and I don't, I don't think anybody should be too concerned about that but I think he's right if it is about the process the process in many ways you want to see them to continue to trend in a upward trajectory when it comes to defense and I think we're starting to see that and that's a good sign and hopefully they can build off of that on Thursday but I had some people also two partner talk about uh, the power play and they were disappointed in the effort Trevor said during the game that many shorty bids almost makes me wish the NHL had the option to decline a penalty (laughs) what the Sam Hill is up with the power play well in fairness the power play they had in the first period was really good but the ones they had in the second were not good. No. And, that- and look, this feeds into this notion as well that, you know, the Stars' compete level was really, really high, and their penalty killers were bearing down. They were taking pucks to the net. They weren't giving up on plays. It's not like they got the puck into the lightning's end when they were short. 
We're just like, okay, we're going to like back off and, and let you come out. Like they were fighting hard to win puck battles. Yeah. The one where Glenn Denning had like, I think it was four attempts in a row. That play started, I think it was Foxa. Fox and Glenn Denning were out there. I think actually it was Fox and Raffle were out there. They got the puck into the offensive zone, and Glenn Denning changed for Raffle. But Fox has stayed out, and he kind of tied up the puck in the corner, and the Lightning were converging on him. They brought three guys over to try and dislodge the puck. They couldn't get it. And it kind of squirted free to Glenn Denning, and he was just unrelenting. Like, he just kept trying to shoot, 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 shoot. Got a couple to the net that Vasilevsky stopped. I think that sums up the way the stars played which is why rick bonus was so happy after the game with the way his team competed i'm not yeah. sure the lightning were at that same level no, so while I... we can say yeah they gave up one and look this was way better defensively than their game against toronto where you know they got blown out at amelie arena or the game against montreal where they're giving up so many chances or even the first period against washington where the Caps had a lot of open looks. Dallas didn't get that, but I think the Lightning, if they had to play this game over again, would have liked to have closed off some of those longer sequences where the Stars surged and had a lot of possession. And the Lightning would have liked to have had more possession themselves in the offensive zone. That didn't happen, no. but it didn't mean that the Stars finished with, like, 25 scoring chances either. So that is a that is a positive sign. That's why you kind of come out of that game and you're like, are we happy with this game? Not happy with the result, but are we happy with what we saw? Or do we feel that there was something that was lacking a little bit? I think it's well, a think little it, bit of both. Yeah, I was going to say, I think you could probably take both angles if you wanted to. Yeah. You could take a a more pessimistic view of the Lightning's play or a, a little bit more of an optimistic view. I'm probably down the middle, slightly more optimistic, just because I think everything you said about Dallas needing that game more than Tampa Bay, I think the urgency was higher. I think the Lightning did some things defensively. They had some looks offensively, and Wedgwood was pretty good. Does, does Wedgwood do that in a seven-game series if these two teams were going to meet you know, uh, in the playoffs? Unlikely. Unlikely, and I, I think the Lightning would be able to find their groove a little bit offensively. But in this game, mm-hmm. they, they had, you know, I felt like Sorelli had a couple of looks too, Dave. You yep. know, whether the puck rolled off his stick. Yeah, he had some chances it. around the net. You're right. You know, that that certainly played into it. Tyler says, while the Lightning's play has not been great, to say the least, as of late, this is a team still has so many pieces of two Stanley Cup playoff runs. I think the Bolts surprised a lot of people in the playoffs this year. Well, look, John Cooper is liking what he's seeing defensively because he is taking not only the micro view, but the macro view. And the macro view is where where does our game need to be in the playoffs? And I think his quote afterward was, we're going to hold the opposition to one. I like our chances. As opposed to some of these other games that we're still seeing around the league where, you know, games are 5-4, you know. Four three is still probably on the higher end of things. And look at the lightning scores recently, particularly in the goals against. That's a formula for winning playoff games. I'm wondering too, and I, I've seen a lot of this, and uh, some people have tweeted at me about the the line combinations. And I'll, I'll ask you this, partner. And if people want to react, they can at Bolts Radio. We've got what nine games remaining 
on the schedule. Do you think John Cooper is starting to settle on line combinations? I've seen that being yeah. asked a little bit more, and I'm I'm wondering if not, when, or do we think he's starting to get an idea of maybe who he wants to form a line? Well, I think he's been happy with the line combinations since he put them together, coincidentally, in the first period of that Washington game. So since then, remember those numbers I was just talking about, whatever it is, three goals allowed in 11 regulation periods, the four lines have been constructed the way that we've seen them. So until something goes off the rails, and hopefully it doesn't, or if something goes off the rails, then yeah, he may he may switch things up. But I think the idea was to try and allow the lines to build some chemistry, which is why we referenced that Derek Lalonde comment shortly after Hegel and Paul arrived, where he said, we'd like to settle on the line sooner rather than later, however he put it, and allow them to play together to build chemistry. And I will say this, I mean, this is probably kind of like my Wedgwood comment, maybe not a huge takeaway from last night's game, but but I noticed it and I observed it, so I'm going to say it. I thought that was as comfortable as Brandon Hagel has looked to this point. And I say that because he was in on more pucks than I've noticed in in games up until this point. He had a chance in the third period. Wasn't probably quite as good as the Kucherov or Palat shots. Remember that one where he he was able to skate and jump on a puck before it reached Wedgwood? Yep. And he had a it was a close range shot, but he scooted down the ice. He was in on plays last night. And if he is getting in on plays, that means that some of the hesitancy that we saw in his game is starting to go away. And I do think that he is building chemistry part and parcel with that. He is building chemistry with Sorelli and Kalorn. So I would be surprised if for the next game tomorrow we see any changes in these line combos. We did see Cal Foot come in last night for Bogosian. And so like if people were wondering like would Bogosian just play every game here on out and Foot's the seventh defenseman unless they go with seven D, Foot would be a healthy scratch. The answer to that was no. But I think Bogosian is going to be getting some some games as well. Yeah, I don't, bust, think, that, I don't think that he did anything wrong to to come out of the lineup no. last night. Bust actually wanted to weigh in on that. He says, I'll just say it's about time Foot gets the go over Bogosian. He's been out playing Bogo all season, and I love Bogo. Well, Foot had some snarl to his game. Haven't you been saying, Greg, you'd love to see Foot maybe be a little meaner? Maybe yeah, I mean, you. I, somebody yeah. said it, whether it was Phil or Chief, somebody who does games with me has been saying this, and he was pretty ornery last night. I forget which player he got into. He got it. He got into it with, but he knocked the guy down and, and glared at him and, and was ready to fight. It looked like it was in the second period. Oh, no, it wasn't. It was down to the, the zone to my left. Must have been the first period. The fans were thinking there should have been a penalty called on foot, but he was just closed Paul the guy and hard yeah. and, and knocked him down. It wasn't it wasn't Ben. Ben fought Nick no, Paul. No, I was going to say, was it before Paul and Ben squared I off? I think it was after. No, it was, it was after, after that. Okay. okay. 
I'm sorry, I can't remember which player it was. Yeah, I'm trying to but. think who it, it might have been. But uh, Basta, my my personal opinion on that is that Bogosian is going to be the guy in the playoffs once it begins. I think, Dave, you have said, and I agree with it, that I think Kyle Foote is going to see some time in the playoffs. Now, I don't, I don't know how that comes about, you know, whether they – they mix things up after a loss, maybe in a game. Maybe it's going seven defensemen. I, I don't know. I think you'd like to see a first-round pick, a former first-round pick, who has got some tools, start to see some playoff action for you. I think you just like that as the next step in Foot's progression as a player. That being said, I, I you know if you're asking me who has separated themselves a little bit between Bogosian and Foot. I don't know if there's been a ton of separation with either guy. And so sometimes coaches go with the veteran that maybe they're more comfortable with. And Bogosian certainly brings more of a, I think, a physical presence. So we'll see. I, 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 will, I will say I think Bogosian will be the guy to start. And then I think Foot will at some point see some time in the playoffs. But I see that how that's going. Yeah, and the other thing for Bogosian, when McDonough was out, they were playing together. But Bogosian was was playing the left side which is not natural or normal for him and now he has said that he has done it before but since mcdonough has returned and bogosian has been in the lineup up until last night he's been back on the right side i thought that he has looked really good with sergachev i would agree with that and you know bouncing from left to right defensively that can be a challenge a little bit and that's something I know they've asked Bogosian to do as you said and and he's done pretty well with it uh we have another question here and then we'll go to break and this comes from Dave he wants to know do you see Nick Paul as a third line centerman I like his size and skill set well look if they're going to keep the lines where they are I don't know what we're going to call the third line but he's been playing wing with stamp ghost in the middle. Paul is versatile enough to play center or wing. That was one of the reasons, one of the many reasons why the Lightning were interested in acquiring him. He's got pretty good faceoff numbers in his career. I just don't I don't yeah. know how much time he's played at center. Well, and 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 taking faceoffs is is not always tied to playing center. Like stamp ghost and Paul out there together, if the faceoff is in the defensive zone, depending on which side of the ice it's on, one guy will take the draw or the other guy will take the draw. So if it's to the left of the goalie, Paul takes it. If it's to the right of the goalie, Stamkos will take it in the defensive zone. That is correct. But look, I think Paul has continued to, to play well. And no I don't really have any complaints. I mean, not that it's my position to complain, but I don't think that you can really quibble with how the lineup construction has looked except for the fact that as a team, I don't think the Lightning played at the level that they had been at in the two previous games last night, and the opposition had something to do with that, but also how the Lightning played had something to do with that too. So I think that their execution level dipped just a bit, but it wasn't a significant dip. It wasn't like falling off the edge of the cliff dip which I guess is more than a dip. That's a precipitous fall. They didn't have that. So let's see how things look tomorrow night. 
and look, when Lightning are playing their game, they're not only defending well, they have the puck a lot. Yeah. I mean, we saw that in the Buffalo game. We saw that for sure in the third period against the Bruins. That's the way the Lightning want to play, and when they are on top of their game, that's what we're seeing. We didn't really see that a lot last night. No, we now, didn't. that's in a perfect scenario. There's another team on the ice that's trying to do what it wants to do. The Stars don't want to have to play without the puck in the defensive zone and allow the Lightning to possess the puck for, for long, extended stretches. That's why every game is a tug-of-war, and I thought last night the Stars probably had an advantage in that tug-of-war. But... Is that a reason to, like, break up the lines? I don't think so. Like I said, it was not like the Toronto game where the Lightning gave up six or the Montreal game where they gave up tons of chances. No, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Hit us up on Twitter, at Bolts Radio. And, again, I apologize for my voice if if it feels a little raspy. Were you screaming at the television set last night? Throwing something. You know me, Dave. I get worried. All right, so hit us up on Twitter, at Bolts Radio, with uh, my voice or no voice. We will still finish off the show. we got some questions starting to roll in. Somebody wants to ask about plus-minus as it pertains to the Tampa Bay Lightning. We'll address that question and so much more. Maybe take a look at the standings as well. He's Dave Mishkin. I'm Greg Lanelli, Steve Versnick, our producer. Back after this on Lightning Power Play. Hey, it's Seth Kushner, host of The Block Party, and we have a massive one this week, episode 99 Two-time Stanley Cup champ, Coach Cooper, drops by the podcast. His son was with him. We talked about Coach Cooper's relationship with Charles Barkley, if he's ever met Tom Brady, and what it meant to Coach Cooper to bring the cup all around Tampa Bay. And that's the Block Party with Seth Kushner, out now, wherever you get your podcasts. This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play on the iHeartRadio app. Glad you're with us here on Lightning Power Play. I am Greg Lanelli, along with the radio voice of the Lightning, Dave Mishkin. Steve Versnick's our producer. Hit us up on Twitter, at Bolts Radio. This question comes from Neil. He said, are you guys concerned that Kucherov and Point are both minus players this year? What do you make of that stat? So interesting, because we had this discussion with Owen Newkirk yesterday about the Stars and their team plus minus situation where their top line guys are are very much on the plus side of the column and many of their other players are way down in the minus so it's not so much like how high the plus is although that's notable it's the differential like how can you have a differential of like 35 pluses to minuses like if one guy's plus 18 and then someone on the same team is minus 17 that's a differential of 35 so that's noteworthy the lightning have a little bit of that so disregard i'm looking at their roster right now disregard paul and hagel because they brought heavy minuses to the lightning based on where their their past teams were but the fan is right kutraff and point it is noteworthy that they are really the only two significant minuses on the Lightning, they both took a minus one last night because they were out on the ice for the goal that was scored by Hints. So what is happening there? Now, I'm going to say this, and, and as I say this, keep in mind that the other guys that are typically on the ice in these situations have not been adver- as adversely affected as Point and Kucherov have in terms of the plus minus. 
But the Lightning have allowed a lot of empty net goals this year. 15. So they've been aggressive with their goalie pulls. They've been down in some games here in the last, whatever it's been, month and a half, you want to say, where they've had to pull the goalie. And it feels like often when they pull the goalie, they're giving up at least one, if not more than one, empty net goal. And who is typically out there when an empty net goal is scored? Your top offensive guys. So Point and Kucherov have taken some minuses there. But so have the other guys. Like Stampkos is usually out there too. Stampkos is plus 14. So it hasn't really affected him. Victor Hedman is now plus 18 because he did take a minus one last night. He would normally be out there in the empty net situation. So it's not only that. I think the Lightning have had some games where points line has been matched against the other team's top line or at least a line that has had a really big offensive night. And I'll just state this as plainly as I can. That's going to need to improve in the playoffs. I mean, if you're going to say, well, we want the Sorelli line to be the quote-unquote matchup line, well, you can't always get that matchup. And even if that is your matchup line, points line is going to have to take care of business in the D zone as well as producing offense. Now, what's interesting is, like what Owen talked about with the Stars, he said it's not so much... These guys who are minus are are horrible defensively, it's just that they're not scoring. So as compared to Hintz, Robertson, and Pavelski, who are scoring a lot and getting a lot of pluses, some of these other guys are 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 taking on water with some minuses, but they're not offsetting it by being out for even strength goals for. That is not true with point and Kutroff. I mean, points at a point per game. And Cooch is well over a point per game. And even if you take out power play points, you would think that their their plus minus would be better. So I think that it does come down to what is happening when they are out on the ice, usually against the opposition's top line, and what is happening in some of these games. Let me- even baking into the cake the empty net goals that have gone against them, which maybe has exacerbated these numbers a little bit but you'd like to see them closer to even because everybody else on the team, other than the guys that just arrived, are are fairly comfortable on the plus side of the ledger. If not comfortably in the plus side of the ledger, at least on the plus side of the ledger. I, I agree with what you said, and I, I thought the empty net angle was pretty interesting too. I think that would be an interesting stat to look at. I, th- I, let me, I let think me... there's one other point to this too. Yeah, go ahead, Steve. Kucherov and Point both missed some significant time. The team did very well while they were gone. Yeah. They were scoring a lot more. I mean, they were scoring more goals than they were giving up because they were winning almost every game while they were out. Since they've been back, the team has struggled overall relative to the way they were playing while those guys were out. So the amount of goals you score compared to how many you've given up isn't, you know, that plus minus isn't nearly what it was when they were out. So Point and Kucherov weren't getting pluses back then. They were out. That's true, Steve, but that doesn't explain then why is Stampko still, you know, like it's not like he went from plus 35 no. to plus 18 I'm not or saying it's the only. Right I'm not saying it's the only yeah. reason. I'm saying it's it's a part of it, too, where guys That's early fair. in the year were, yep. were getting a lot more pluses because the Lightning were winning almost every game. So Stampko's had a little pad. Other players had pads. I, the empty net thing I completely agree with, and, and you know, that's that's definitely a factor in why they're a negative overall. And the other thing, too, Greg, remember that stretch? 
it was kind of coinciding when the team went out west. The Lightning's top guys did go through a dry spell offensively, and I think they took some heavy minuses. Those two guys specifically took some big minuses when they were going through a period of time when they weren't scoring like they normally do and were, were out on the ice for some goals against. But again, the disparity is noteworthy. I'm looking at points game by game here. Minus four was his biggest one. He had a minus three in Winnipeg. That was the Canadian Yeah, so that was light. an example. Minus, four, minus, minus three two. in the home game against Toronto. That was when they saw a lot of Matthews' line, and Matthews had a huge night. And the other thing, too, historically, Point and Kucherov are plus players. So, I will say it as simple as this, because I, I agree with what you said. I, Steve makes a lot of sense with what he said. For me, without looking at the numbers and the analytics, the eye test, it feels like Point and Kucherov have been a little bit off this year. And you're going to say, well, wait a minute, Greg. Look at their points per game. They're over point per game. They're still... I, I acknowledge all of that, and maybe it's just because I'm so accustomed to seeing them play at such a high level. I think they haven't been as consistently great this year, game in and game out. Now, I don't know if that's the reason why we're seeing them be minus players. I am just telling you, from the years we've covered this team and watched Kucherov and Point be dynamic, I still think they're really good. And Steve, to your point, this could just be you know some injuries they've dealt with, working themselves back, whatever that is. I'm just going to tell you, I think they haven't performed consistently at a high level that I'm used to seeing in previous years. And when their play is dipped, it is it might have cost them this year more times than we've seen in previous years. And That's if where you're, I would go with that. And if your play is is maybe not at the usual point Kucherov standard and you're going up against the other team's top line. That's, that's a very to, good point. You might have to that's swallow some minuses. I mean, Dave, like if I, if I, if I were to say to you, do you think Kucherov and point are operating at that elite level consistently this year compared to the last couple of years, or at least maybe their last tremendous year when they were both healthy and, and put a full season in, I would answer that question and say, no, now the good news is there. I, I, you've got the playoffs for them to yeah. to get there. Well, and but you've been saying for weeks now that you feel the Lightning are quote unquote bored. Yes, I do. And they're I not going to no, be bored no. when the playoffs starts. No, and, but I think we're going to reach the same conclusion here that the numbers are telling us something, and what the numbers are telling us as it relates to the plus minus because I don't think it's an insignificant stat. The the fan is correct to bring it up. What it tells us is that Point and Kucherov are going to need to be better defensively in the playoffs, but we also believe that in the playoffs, their their level will rise and they will be better defensively. It it is you know like it's true in one direction, but it's also true in the other direction. If that makes sense, there are two, and maybe they go hand in hand. There are two schools of thought when it comes to the Lightning's play this year. One, and it's more in my camp, I think they're they're somewhat bored. Maybe they're preserving themselves and they're waiting for the playoffs because of the grind we've seen the last couple of years. They've played a lot of hockey, and, and you've heard me say that before. 
The other school of thought is that the Lightning are tired and that this is finally catching up with them. Now, once the playoffs begin, partner, I think we're going to find out who was right, who was wrong. And it could be a mixture of both if you're in that camp. I'm more inclined to think this team is more bored than tired because I think they've had in this season that's been kind of helter-skelter a bit, they've had some gaps where they were able to get the appropriate rest. Now, maybe that made them a little rusty coming back from that break. There's no question they've played a lot of hockey. Do I think they're fatigued? I don't know if they're fatigued. I just think it's a product of a team that has won back-to-back cups. They've played a lot of hockey, and they probably Mm -hmm. don't want to go through an 82-game season. (laughs) And they want to get to the, the playoffs sooner rather than later. I don't know if they're tired, but I've heard that being thrown around, and that happens when a team starts to struggle a little bit. But time will tell. I don't think that's the case with Point and Kucherov. I just think we haven't seen their highest level yet as consistent. And I think, at least my hope is for them and for the Lightning, that once the playoffs start, you have a clean slate and those guys really end up playing at a higher level than what we've seen so far. And that level so far up to this date has been pretty good. I mean, they're point yeah, as as we are saying, well, they're not quite at the level they're they're normally at. Kucherov has forty six points in thirty eight games. There are a lot of players that would gladly take that in points at yeah. I mean, that's fifty five points in fifty nine games. So, no doubt, no doubt. There's there's no doubt. By the way, you take a look at the scores yesterday, and again, partner, I keep coming back to something that you know. At least I know the you're the one that brought it up first. Might have been six weeks ago. I mean, seeing just crazy scores and guys yeah. getting hat tricks. I'd love to know the, the stat. How many guys have had hat tricks this year? Because there was a couple of guys who had it again last night. And, you know, the Flyers put up or gave up nine to the Capitals. The Islanders and Penguins ends up being a shootout, 5 4 mm-hmm. Wild put up five on the Oilers. Kings put up five. Yeah, did you see? I saw a quote from Leon Dreisaitl before that game, basically saying, "I shouldn't be laughing." He may be right, but he's like, "I wouldn't want to see us in the playoffs." And then they go out and get hammered by Minnesota. <laughs> well, Minnesota's a good team, as we know, right? I mean, and they the, wouldn't the, be seeing each other in the first round. No, but I mean, the Devils put up six on the Coyotes, yeah. six to two. I mean, there's just a lot of scoring. Going you think on things there. are are feeling a little bit better in Washington this week than? A week ago, it was it was a week ago today that yeah. the Lightning played the Capitals, <laughs> and we were talking to John Walton. He's like, "Man, I don't know. Caps have all these questions. They haven't lost since. Nice little they're, winning they're, streak I mean, will do that for you. They won four in a row. At the right time, yeah, you're peaking. And they at the dropped right time. a nine on the Flyers. They have a tough road trip coming up, though. In that, that it's a long road trip, and they've got some tough teams on that road trip." And I know probably, they go to Colorado. That'll make and they break play them. at Vegas, which Vegas is going to have a lot to play for because they are very much in jeopardy of missing yeah, the playoffs. They'll they will they will we'll find out if they're going to be a wild card team or probably get the third seed in the Metro because Pittsburgh is slumping and Malkin suspended four games. Apparently, there's some sort of bug that's going through that locker room, non-COVID related, that the Pens have been playing with the last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Rust and Rodriguez took a couple of shifts in the game yesterday, but then had to take themselves out 
but guys have been sick. And it was funny. We talked about this at the beginning of the year when guys had to sit because they tested positive for COVID. Mm-hmm. And remember the one thing I would say to you, like, yeah, they would time, gladly play these through guys. <laughs> and then we're kind of seeing that with this non-COVID related. These Glenn guys Denning, Glenn Denning played through an yeah. illness. Bona yeah. said the previous game, he was basically, I mean, I don't know that he was actually sick on the bench, but he was, yeah. he was not feeling well in their previous game at Chicago. And, and he played his rear end off last he did. night. He did. But that, you know, that division's still up for grabs with the Rangers in Carolina. I mean, I, I still think Carolina probably yeah, comes away with that. That was a big win for Carolina because now they're up was. four and they have the tiebreaker. They do. They do. So, you know, I think Pittsburgh and Washington, that's going to be a pretty interesting race because Washington still has two games in hand on the Penguins, even though the Penguins are up by uh, three points. So we'll see how that plays out. And then, of course, in the Atlantic partner, I mean, Florida's running away with it with 110 points. They've won eight in a row. Mm-hmm. Their record on home ice is Yeah, how many of those ridiculous. eight wins have been come from behind wins? That's a good question. I don't know. If not all eight, close to eight. Yeah, and I don't know what to make of that. They uh, beat Nashville. I think they were up. They went to Nashville and won four two empty netters, which was a game in which they didn't allow a lot. And I guess last night they allowed two to Anaheim, but they were down in the game, one nothing, and then 2-1 to one going into the third. John Gibson set a franchise record yeah. for saves in a regular season game with 52. They beat- you know what it's going to take to handle the Panthers? Whoever gets them in the playoffs, in the first round or beyond the first round. I really believe this. What's that? So they just are overwhelming teams. I mean, every game they're out shooting teams, if not 2-1, to one, more than 2-1. to one. I mean, they are just relentless in their attack. They're extremely dangerous. They're deep offensively. The team that can combine, and this is where we talk about team defense, an airtight defensive approach, which may not be enough because the Panthers are that good offensively, that even against an airtight defensive approach with outstanding goaltending, they may get their chances. But airtight team defense means limiting time and space when they have the puck and when you have the puck not turning it over. And then going hand-in-hand with that, have to find a way to force them to play in their end because that will that will prevent them from having the puck and making plays. And also, they have shown that they will give up goals. But just because I spelled it out doesn't mean it's going to happen. It is way, way easier said than done, and they have shown it. And even if you can do it for part of a game, and maybe keep them in check and, and score some goals and get a lead. They've shown that they can come back. I don't know if this question is going to make sense to you, but I'm wondering, do you think the Panthers, Dave, are a team who are more suited in the playoffs, even though it's tight checking, to play a game 5-4 than 2-1? Well, think they're our... more comfortable, comfortable going up yeah. and down the ice rather than, to your point, defend, limit your chances, because i got to be honest with you, I'm looking at Bobrovsky and Knight's numbers this year, and wins are all that matters, and I, I want to be complimentary of Bobrovsky. He's got 35 wins. That is impressive. Mm-hmm. But the save percentage and goals against is not. And that is a product, I think, in part, of how Florida plays. They're going to take a lot of chances. They're going to give up some chances. I don't know if they can just turn on a switch and become a really good defensive team. In the playoffs. Well, our and belief is they're going to have to win games 2-1. to one, But we may be proven wrong. 
But can maybe they? this is a playoff year where you know they can get away with giving up three like or four is, goals. And and we won't know. Is this the year where an offensive juggernaut can score their way to a Stanley Cup and just say, "Listen, mm-hmm. we're okay defensively, but we would much rather put up four or five goals than play a tight checking game because one, maybe we're not comfortable doing that. Two, maybe we don't have the personnel to do that. Quite honestly, and three. You know what? That puts a lot of pressure on our goaltender. And I don't know if we're there yet. Now, they're not saying that openly, obviously. Yeah. I'm just simply telling you, if you knew Florida was going to be a team that got their chances and could put up four or five goals in the playoffs, that probably alleviates some pressure from their goaltenders as well. So let me draw a comparison between Florida and Colorado because these teams have some similarities in that they both score a lot. Florida's first and Colorado's third. And they both shoot the puck a lot. I'm looking at their shots for Florida's first, Colorado's fourth. So part of that is how they play. Part of it is I think they kind of overwhelm teams by having the puck a lot. Now, their shots against is not like among the best in the league. But the big difference is the goals against. So, and again, we've seen Colorado twice, and I think the Avs were not, clearly not at the level that they are at now and have been at for most of the year when the teams met, the Lightning and Avs met at the start of the year. Both teams were finding their way. The Avs were much more the team they are now when they met in Denver in February. But they certainly are on track to potentially win the President's Trophy. It's, it's probably going to be between them and Florida. To me, the difference between Colorado and Florida right now is, for whatever reason, while both teams can really force the other team to be uncomfortable, the Avs give up fewer goals to the tune of basically .15, which doesn't sound like a lot, but when you're kind of looking at the aggregate over or the average over the full season, that's not an insignificant number. Panthers are at 2.9. The Avs are at 2.74. And, you know, if they meet, it would be in the Stanley Cup final, obviously. But I think that's the question. Like, are the the Panthers going to be able to, to whittle a little bit off that goals against? And if they can't, are they going to be able to win games potentially 4 3 5 4? If they can whittle a little bit off the goals against, maybe they win games 5-1 in the playoffs, which is very rare. But the way that they can attack offensively, I wouldn't put it past them, which is why if you are facing them, how you defend with and without the puck, it has to be priority one, which is, again, it's priority one for John Cooper no matter who they face. But if you get the Panthers... You simply can't allow Barkov, Huberdo, Bennett, Giroux go down the list for Hagee, Duclair, Lewostarinen, Lomberg. I mean, every guy they have at forward is having a terrific season offensively and can be dangerous. If you let them have the puck and allow them to make plays, you're either going to get burned or your goaltender is is having a John Gibson-like performance. That got Anaheim a point. No doubt. So we'll see if a team can do it. But if a team can do it, 
then how does Florida react? Because, and, and to put things in perspective, the Panthers have how many games left here? So they have nine games left. If they win out, and they've won eight in a row, so if they win out, it would be 17 straight wins to, am I getting that right? Yeah, nine and eight. 17 straight wins to finish the regular season. They would finish with 61 wins. And even if they don't win out, they are going to have finished with a lot of wins this year. And I think the question that, the hard question the Lightning had to answer after they lost to Columbus in 2019, the fact that they didn't really face a lot of adversity during the regular season when they got punched in the mouth in game one of that playoff series, they weren't able to to rebound. The Panthers, while they've been down in games and rallied, in games, and I guess you could say that's in-game adversity. They haven't really been punched in the mouth this year. I don't know if that's going to happen in a playoff series, but if it does, how are they going to respond? They shouldn't apologize for the season they're having. I'm just saying, like, these are some of the questions that both the Panthers and really the Panthers' opponent are going to have to deal with heading into a series against them. And I think the Lightning... I think all things being equal, as much as I have talked about, doesn't matter who you get. I think all things being equal, the Lightning would like to avoid a first-round matchup with Florida. Let somebody else have a crack at the Panthers first, and 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 see if the Lightning that can get a, a different team. And they and it looks like right now they would just have to avoid falling into the second wild card. Agreed. Well, if you want to add some insights to that, you can at Bolts Radio. That's going to wrap up our show today. We'll be back at it again tomorrow, noon to 1. And then, of course, we've got the game Lightning and Ducks. And that'll be a 7 o'clock start. Pre-game skate show will be at 6. But uh, make sure you catch Dave and I at noon tomorrow as well. Partner, great job. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Talk to you tomorrow. Thanks to Steve Ersling. Thanks to you for listening. We always appreciate it. You've been listening to Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play.